0: This episode is brought to you by Vinsmart. Need help with your recall campaigns? DMVs, government agencies, fleet owners can learn more by visiting vinsmart.com slash businesses or call 1-888-950-9550. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community.
1: Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AnvaCast. This week we're gonna talk about a strategic initiative going on at AMVA around AMVA's IT services. And to talk to me about it this week, I am pleased to welcome Boyd Dickerson Walden from the Florida Highway Department of Highway Safety Services. I think I might have gotten that that right. Um, but more importantly relevant to this conversation, uh, Boyd is a member of the AMVA Board of Directors and is leading the steering committee that is helping the AMVA IT team on this strategic path. So this week we're gonna talk to Boyd about this ANVA IT Strategic Initiative, which we refer to as the ITSR, the IT Strategic Roadmap. Uh, and it's, as many of you know who listened and are n- know about ANVA, ANVA is a unique association in that, in addition to many of the traditional trade association activities that we do around connections and education and services and programs, we have a significant IT presence through the ANVANET platform that connects members to each other and to outside entities. Uh, And so we'll talk about the robustness of that network and what this strategic roadmap means so that AMVA is continuing to evolve, modernize and be on the cutting edge. Uh, And so Boyd, who is a member of our AMVA board of directors and is leading the board committee that's helping the AMVA IT team guide this roadmap. Uh, Boyd, again, welcome to your first appearance on the AMVACast.
0: Thank you, Ian, for having me. And you're exactly right. ANVA does have a large IT portfolio. And uh, it is critical for uh, the states to have this to connect to their federal partners to do the things that they need to do their job. And so yes, uh, it is critical that these services stay up and running. IT um, services provided by ANVA, um, they recognized a long time ago that, um, because they're so critical, that we might need to look into the future to see what kind of Uh, Things are on the horizon in the technology world and make sure that we're prepared uh, to serve the needs of these jurisdictions into the future. And that's what the ITSR is about. Um, The first two things that they looked at, well, the first thing they looked at is cloud technologies. Mm -hmm. Everybody talks about cloud. Go into the cloud. Everybody wants to be there, you know. (laughs) And so, um, but it's not for everybody. So Anvil was very careful, deliberate about their approach. Uh, Philippe and his team did a wonderful job on, on assessing the needs of the organization and whether or not the cloud was the right step for AMVA. And uh, that decision was made, and yes, it was. And so all that process was, um, uh, over, had oversight in the ITSR committee. Uh, now, we did it from more of a, when I say oversight, that's probably a strong word. It mm-hmm. was more of like inform, information and a liaison to the board to yeah. keep the board informed, about what was going on more so than the more so than the oversight, because you know kind of needs to have that leeway to you know to do the IT services as they as they see need and they see fit. Um, now the other thing that we did besides cloud was look at networking. Mm. Um, Anva's network had not been upgraded in many years, and you can have the best applications in the world and exist in the cloud and all these other things, and if you don't have a good network to connect to it, it's useless. Mm -hmm. So um, those two things were the main things that were looked at in the ITSR uh, committee. Now I can tell you what it is not.
1: It's always good to know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, There are parts that it doesn't do, like, for instance, um, deep dives into applications that are used by AMVO and the jurisdictions you know, that's not what this committee's about. Gotcha. Uh, those things, there's program areas for that, and there's there's committees that uh, oversee those yeah. kinds of things, and that's not really what the IT uh, SR is about. So that's
1: an important differentiation because the, the difference between understanding how we're operating and modernize the network, the backbone that it sits on, and not getting into specific applications, not looking at what is NMVITIS doing, what is SIDLIS doing, what is state-to-state doing. Those are all, like you say, managed by different either program areas or, you know, in the case of some of those, separate governance entities that oversees those applications. But the connectivity to those applications is what we're really talking about here, in both the reliability of that connectivity and how to keep modernizing it to assure the reliability going forward.
0: That's right, it is the networks and the, the environment that these applications reside in that is really what this is about. And there's an enormous amount of effort that um, when you manage those environments yourself as an organization, it takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when there are services out there, be it cloud, be it uh, even network services out there that you can hire the right people to do the right job, it alleviates your staff to be able to do focus on those program areas a little better and be able to provide services better in those areas when they're not having to worry about these other things.
1: So is that a conversation in the group? Because you know, Amva has a very strong history of building a lot of stuff ourselves, you know, from the ground up, build and operate and run it, and our team has been very accomplished in that. Being able to help those conversations around, okay, well, what makes sense to do ourselves and what makes sense to buy off the shelf or outsource and customize? Is that a conversation the, the committee has had?
0: It is, but not necessarily from an um, application standpoint. Sure, But from an infrastructure standpoint and a right. network, absolutely. Those things were discussed. And the, the value of having um, those things outsourced uh, means that you you don't have staff that you burn out in six months because they're mm. constantly looking at a system and keeping it up and running. You know, yeah. and you and you have somebody that has that twenty four seven. So you can take the services that Anva provides and expand them to more of a 24/7, 365 kind of environment without killing your own staff yeah, <laughs> to do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so it just provides a better work environment as well.
1: So uh, talk to me and talk to our listeners who maybe are a little less tech savvy. When we talk about going to the cloud this mysterious wonderful cloud that you know we hear all about for years amva has always had off-site servers off-site server farms right which some would say is essentially the cloud because it's not in your own building am i oversimplifying it or is the cloud something more more advanced than than I appreciate?
0: No, yes and no. <laughs> You're absolutely right. The cloud is a bunch of servers, just like they are in a in a the, the the traditional way that Amba has done it in the past prior to the cloud. It it is it's a bunch of servers, yes. Uh, but whenever you're manage when you have people on your staff that have to manage or manage the details of those servers, the upgrades of the operating systems, the um, uh, replacing hardware that's old and aging, uh, those are things that you have to take care of yourself whenever you manage that environment. But when you put that in the cloud, you hire those things as a service. They call it AAS. There's a lot of that. There's software as a service. There's platform as a service. There's all these things as a service. And that's where AMVA has um, made the investment in the platform or cloud thing. So take off some of that workload and put it into an area where your, your uh, disaster recovery, your backups, all these things are taken care of just because it's in that cloud environment, where in the past, you had to develop those strategies yourself whenever you manage the environment.
1: And so strategically, though, what, what is the benefit opportunity, right? Because you, you started even saying, you know, this is ultimately about reliability and keeping the jurisdictions up and running and having that that confidence. You know, I certainly get it from an operational efficiency standpoint. What's the opportunity, the, the benefit for the jurisdictions when Ava makes this migration?
0: Yeah, a couple of things there. Um, higher availability. In the cloud environment, you can um, have two layers of Availability and sustainability. That is one we call high availability, meaning having more resources that should one particular um, server, lack of better words, has an issue, that there are other servers there at a moment or that are taking the same load um, that can handle it should one server go down. But there's also the aspect of disaster recovery. Should the entire location of a cloud provider have a problem, There, there's automatic disaster recovery in other locations to where you, it may not be instantaneous recovery, but you know, virtually to where you can get back up and running um, relatively quick. Now one thing I would like to point out at this time though is um, Anva has been very accommodating with where other jurisdictions are in their own journey, cloud journeys. Um, not every state is at the point where they 're moving to the cloud. I mean, some people still have mainframes. I think a lot of people still have mainframes so um, they they've taken the ambas taken the approach to where we' no jurisdiction left behind. Um, we have to make sure that every jurisdiction, no matter where they are, has the ability to connect to the services they need to do their job so there are There are accommodations and um, factors that are that are are looked at to make sure that uh, we don't um disenfranchise or or leave somebody behind or their systems will no longer work by this move so the uh, Philippe and his team has painstakingly gone through and made sure that we we've done that now some of that may mean that jurisdictions have to invest a little bit and and move forward and but we've given them the time to make sure that they have to can prepare to do that and you know there's budget cycles that we have they have to worry about and some people those cycles only come once every two years so you really have to it's not a overnight process for sure
1: yeah now on the network side that you talked about you know explain me the difference between when you talk about the cloud migration and and the network side of things some of the more high profile outages we've had over the last number of years have been in large part because of the network that AMVA uses but doesn't control is that what you're talking about when we talk talking about network, or is it something something different there?
0: Correct. Um, the network for ANVA is uh, the traditional um, uh, MPLS, which I, I'm trying to remember what that stands for now. But it's it's a traditional type network. Yeah. Um, and um, so it's twofold. It is upgrading that traditional network to more of what we call an Ethernet-based network, which is probably getting a little too technical. I don't know about technical, but Ethernet
1: is almost a throwback term. You don't even hear that term much anymore. (laughs) You don't really hear that too much,
0: right? Get the Uh, old
1: Ethernet cable and plug it it into the back of the machine.
0: Literally. Um, And the other part of it is to um, do what we call, implement what we call a software-defined wide area network, Uh, meaning that your... uh, like hardware servers have gone to virtual, the networks are going to virtual. And meaning that I can use whatever connection I have and I can use that connection should one go down, I have another one at my disposal and another one at my disposal. Now we have redundancy in the network, but it's redundancy within the same network. So this software-defined WAN allows you to use the internet even to connect. So part of what the upgrades are is not only going into jurisdictions and offering to a traditional upgrade to the Ethernet, but also say, hey, you know, there's this low-cost Internet connection that you can use as a backup. It's optional. Use as a backup to have that extra layer of redundancy should um, the primary connection go down. And so that um, I'm sure that in Florida we're going to be taking... Um, Advantage of that situation as well because um, it's not necessarily um, always Anva that has the connectivity problem. It's the it's between the two, and so you know having that extra route, Anva systems might be up and running just fine, but the network you just can't get there.
1: Right, because someone literally cut the line. Literally,
0: construction they put a shovel through the line. Absolutely, and you need a whole nother route to be able to get to that. And that's what the software defined wide area network. A solution that um, Anva has come up with. Now that one took a little more time to develop. Um, is something that in Florida we've been looking at as well. Um, but it took a little more time to develop that solution uh, because it is it's pretty cutting, te- techno- cutting edge technology, you know. So, um, uh, but I think we're at a good place now that we can implement that. And that kind of reminds me of something else I would like to say. It is always it, with my involvement with ANVA, no matter it be on a committee, the board or whatever, I always get more out of it than what I put in. I always feel like that. And so I the the my time with uh chair of the ITSR, I can tell you these lessons we're taking home and we're using them ourselves and I mean and I'm hopeful that other jurisdictions will do that as well. Um, in the future, once we really start getting a lot of this stuff implemented that uh, I think that that will happen
1: well, do we have an organized effort to to do that? I know that the i t s r was very much uh focused on guiding the ANVA operational perspective of it um Is there a conversation around okay how do we how do we get those lessons out so it 's not just you and the others that are on the committee uh so that it helps your counterparts, the other CIOs in jurisdictions, uh, little lessons learned, best practices.
0: And uh, Ian and his, we have, I have talked to, uh, I'm sorry, Philippe and his team have... um, We get confused with each other all the time. Yeah, I mean, all the time, right? (laughs) Um, Have a regular call with CIOs uh, among the jurisdictions. And so I... I have talked to him about that, and but we're not right, quite at that point yet because yeah. uh, we need to put together what the lessons yeah. learned really are, at this, and we haven't done that yet. Um, so w- once that happens, I think that would be the avenue yeah. that it, it would occur, is through a regular CIO call um, with Philippe and his team, which they already have about things, mm-hmm. but um, this would be one of the topics in the future, I'm sure.
1: So when you talk about these, you know, it sounds like the priorities are really in these two key buckets of the cloud migration and the, the network initiatives. What are the timelines? I know it's very much, you're very much midstream right now in having set the roadmap, and now the team is working on the beginnings of implementation of the roadmap. Uh, what are the dates on this roadmap?
0: Well, the cloud migration is virtually done. I mean, there's there's a few other... Um, systems that um, are not necessarily used by the jurisdictions, but used with ANVA internally, mm-hmm. that um, are still in the process of being migrated. But most of the most of the systems are are virtually done. No pun intended, virtually done. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, but the network one is still. Um, we I, I can't remember the last count, but it was 30-40% um, of the jurisdictions maybe have already implemented uh, some of the network changes. Now, I don't have any numbers on how many people have taken advantage of the software-defined part yeah. of it, but um, that might be something we, we get a report on in the next ITSR committee. So, so. When, it,
1: when he suggested it's that far along, it's just two things to me. One is that uh, the migration part was very much invisible, if you will, for the jurisdictions. It happened without them having to know or worry because it was just creating this more efficient way in the background that will benefit them without them having to really do anything. And then the other side on the network piece, if that many people have done it already, it's, you know, it took some effort for the jurisdictions, but a a reasonable, doable effort.
0: That is a very good observation. And probably one of the driving principles of the whole migration was the least amount of impact to the jurisdictions. Um, And that was one of the issues with the network that we were really struggling with is it was such... um, It was a flipping of the switch kind of thing, and so it was very scary. And so we went back. Philippe and his team went back to the drawing board and said, "Okay, we can't. We just can't do it that way. We're going to have to do it in a more methodical way, to where uh, we just don't incur that kind of risk to have a a full-fledged system outage. So you know, we we got to do it in a more piecemeal way that is more methodical and." able to back up from if should something go south, you know, so um, they did go back and consider that. It was probably one of the biggest um, considerations is the risk factors.
1: And so you mentioned about some of these, we'll come back and look at the lessons learned to share them, but you also said you're already taking some stuff back to Florida, so give me a little bit of that sneak preview of some of the tidbits that you've picked up that might in another year or two be a best practices lesson learned that'll you know be available for everybody
0: that's uh, on the cloud front um we've learned in florida that our applications are not cloud ready at this point uh and that was a looking at the ambas uh, it portfolio they were in a much pe- better position than we were and um, probably most states are uh as far as um how up-to-date their application architecture is. Um, and so moving to the cloud, um, I wouldn't call it a lift and a shift, but it was um, more of a lift and refactor a little bit, but it wasn't the effort it is for a full-scale modernization like we're having to do in Florida. We're having to completely redo applications to make them cloud-ready. And um, so we've learned that we have to wait till we finish that <laughs> until before we can move, um, and so that's on that's on the cloud front on the uh, network front we learned that um the the redundancy um and that's another we are moving our um data centers in florida from one location to another so we took advantage of um the t- the extended time frame to for the migration to this new network for anva and put our move in consideration of that to where We're not going to implement in our old environment. We're just going to go ahead and get our new connections in the new environment, and when we move into it, we'll be connected to the new stuff. Uh, So it kind of, me being on that committee maybe gave us a preview in that that other states may not have been able to to take that, you know, advantage of that. Um, But, you know, it, it helped us. But it also um, one of the biggest complaints we have about uh, our connectivity to our partners on the on the state level, our task collectors that actually do the work for us, is there is one point of failure in our networks, and whenever somebody does a backhoe and knocks out a, a fiber connection, it that office is is dead in the water. I mean they're toast. There's no there's nothing they can do. So with the software defined wide area network, there are other capabilities like wireless that could pick up at a moment's notice, and in fact, we've used some of that technology in some of our disaster recovery for our field offices during hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've implemented some of that technology to where it, we've taken a device into an office that lost their connection because of the hurricane, and the cell towers and all that still work. And we're able to get connectivity hmm. back to our home office, and and they can open up their offices and perform. Oh, wow. You know, so just as long as they have power. But uh, sure. but you know, so those types we we've, we've implemented it on a on a limited basis, um, but still um, ac- across the complete network, we have not done that yet. <coughs> um, now, the beauty of the software-defined WAN is it's not expensive. So that is is something that we're looking to do some budget request to our legislature because we don't, since it's not gonna be really that much, mm-hmm. we think we'll be able to get some funding on that to create that redundancy, that extra redundancy mm-hmm. in our um, lo- local offices That's around great. the state. Yeah, That's it's a big deal.
1: So once this is all done, this is complete, you, by the time you implement any new technology, it's old technology and the new thing is out and about any sense yet as to what might be next after it. I know maybe it's too soon to say, but you're one that's never shied away from the the crystal ball conversation of what might be. And if, if you're wrong, you're wrong, who cares? Um, any sense in your world as a CIO, what might be the next frontier after cloud migration and network redundancy?
0: Oh, well, um, I believe that the focus might turn a little bit to the actual applications mm-hmm. and modernizing the applications. Uh, business rules, policy, things like that change over time. And sometimes um, it's it's like um, your grass. You have to mow it every Saturday, but you never see it grow. That's kind of like how this is. It, your, your applications... They they sit there and they're growing and and they're you're patching here and you're doing a, a a change there, but then once you really get to the end of that, you might need to do some mowing. <laughs> you know, you might need to do some mowing and rearrange it and rethink how you're doing that. Um, and that's true in every situation. So modernizing is not just about the actual physical architecture, but the business rules and the policy. And maybe that's where. Um, some of the, like the NVIDIA's modernization and other things like that, we might have to focus on some of our federal partners to make sure they understand why we need to do some of these things. Um, So it may not be too much of a technology thing, but more of a um, a business policy type thing that we need to do. But um, if you don't have a good home, if your applications don't have a good home though, Right. It doesn't matter. Well, it's, <laughs> so. it's not
1: like, you know, I, not what you meant by the home analogy, but the whole idea of you, yeah. know, you can want that new kitchen all you want, but if yeah. you don't have a good foundation to build on, your you know new fancy dishwasher is going to sink into the ground.
0: That is exactly right. Yeah. Yep. And we've learned that, actually learned that a little bit in Florida with our modernization project. We um, implemented a, a modernization phase one, part of it, um, on architecture in our state data center that is not as up-to-date as it needs to be and it, we had some failures in fact we had a massive failure in the last couple of weeks and so we're moving to more of a private cloud not going out to the public cloud but more of a private cloud bunch of servers that we kinda manage or have a vendor to manage um, because of, that, of the fact that we don't have a good foundation in the current home and so we we need to get to a better foundation so we can finish our modernization and, and whenever we modernize something, it goes into the house that has the good foundation.
1: Very cool. Is there anything else about the ITSR effort that, you know, you think jurisdictions need to know about? That if you are not on the committee and you are listening in to this and, you, and especially being a CIO, anything we haven't touched on that you think really needs to be mentioned that they need to know about?
0: Yes. Um, one thing that occurred to me during this whole process is um, – one thing that is probably a misunderstanding about the cloud is that it is cheaper, and that is not necessarily true uh in the case of anva, it has turned out to be um somewhat of a money savings I wouldn't say it's enormous, but there are there are some reductions i think um due to the fact that they've gone to the cloud um uh, but it's not always true um so that is something that um people need to understand that. You may be paying for but you get better sustainability, higher availability, disaster recovery, all these things. So it could be better value for the very, dollar, but the dollars
1: right. may not be less.
0: That's correct. That is correct. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm always looking for a better value. So.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. Well, people I mean, in, the, in today's day and age, I mean, 20 years or 20 years ago, probably not that far, but 10 years ago, um, okay. Your systems went down for a couple hours. It wasn't as big a deal as it is in today's world. I mean, it is, there's a demand for having systems up available all the time. And
1: I, and I would say, you know, the past two years has propelled that even oh. further with everybody, you know, moving virtual and more online transactions and keeping people, you know, out of the branch offices both for safety and efficiency purposes.
0: Absolutely
1: which probably goes to your point about why the applications might be the next frontier as our business rules and business processes have really been transforming and transformed even quicker the past two years what does that mean for these applications
0: absolutely now uh, not too much for the uh, amba applications but for the jurisdiction applications i see a couple of other things transforming like um how do we serve customers what the service delivery we do for customers we we focused so many years on a, a face-to-face type thing in a brick and mortar, and the future may not be that. The future may be more, you serve a customer virtually. You might look at them across, through a, a video screen or whatever, and you may exchange documents and things virtually, uh, And but you're helping that person in real time. Yeah, and that's where I think a lot of it's going to go. Our workforce is kind of demanding it. Um, the, the public demands it. Uh, so... That's probably what I'm, I'm seeing for the jurisdictions in the future. All right.
1: Well, I think we'll leave everyone on that cliffhanger, and they'll have to come back for a future conversation and see how that goes. Boyd thanks for spending some time with us today really appreciate you updating the community on this this effort also I know I speak on his behalf I appreciate the kind words about Philippe and and his team they uh, really are spectacular to do so much to keep those systems up and running and reliable for the members 24-7.
0: Yes they do and thank you for having me. Yes
1: thank you all for listening this week Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back here next week on the Amvicast. thanks to our producers Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin until then everyone stay well. Thank you for joining us for Amvacast,
0: hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Recall Buzz, powered by Vinsmart. Visit us at Amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.